But good morning. Good to see you all. Thanks for being with us this morning. Um, Homero is uh, Homero's going to help us out this morning. We're going to. He's going to look at a psalm, share some thoughts for us. Uh, but just really quickly, if I can remind you of where we've been. Um, just before that, just so that you know, it's getting really close to our um, I Heart Rich Hill Community Week. Um, and so next Sunday, for those that are on the WhatsApp group, you'll know that um, we're trying to carve out some space. The team arrive next weekend. And uh, really looking forward to them being with us. And, um, and so we're, next Sunday night, we're going, to, we're going to pray together. We're going to worship together as a, as a team of people that are ready just to bless and serve this community. So um, it would be amazing if you were free next, next Sunday night um, at 6.30. Um, so yeah, please, please get that in the diary if you can. And then just keep praying for this week. If there's any part of it that you can that you can show up to, please please do that. Let us know. If there's still still some stuff that you can maybe donate, um, the list is there. There's great to see some the boxes being filled out round out round the corner. Um, so yes, please keep keep praying about that. Um, there's other stuff. There's other stuff coming up. I know it's it's difficult to. To get some announcements to land uh, in the middle of the summer, um, but I did put it in the WhatsApp group, and we'll just keep talking about it. The Tabar Conference, uh, the Tabar Network of Churches, is what we are a part of, um, and so we're having our annual conference on the twenty third of September. Um, Pete Gregg of Twenty Four Seven is coming over. Uh, probably more exciting to me actually is Charlotte Curran, um, local girl originally, is now a pastor. One of the pastors down at CFC in Belfast, and Charlotte's going to be at that as well. So, um, Mark the twenty third of September, if you can, we will keep talking about it. Um, my next door neighbour is uh, is loves dogs, and she's been looking after she's been looking after a friend's dog for the last couple of weeks. Um, she was really worried yesterday over the weekend, and um, she was asking. Not that I know anything about dogs, but she was saying to uh, see that out of the corner of my eye. Um, she was saying that uh, she was really worried about the dog because it wasn't hers and it uh, it was just really unwell, a really high temperature, fever. Um, and thankfully, I didn't know what to do because I told her to go to the store and get some mustard because that is the best thing for a hot dog. <laughs> Psalms. Um, last few weeks we've been looking at the Psalms of Lament. Last week, uh, quite challenging, maybe quite heavy, um, but I think it was important that we, we looked through the imprecatory Psalms, those Psalms that are the, the, these, um, the Psalmists writing to invoke evil upon their enemies. And um, as we, we ended with, uh, unsurprisingly, it's not okay to ask God to kill babies, but it is okay to bring your real, honest prayers to God. Now, hopefully that's what we've been showing over the last number of weeks. We've been trying to show that through the, the various voices, 
the diverse voices that make up the Psalter, that make up this collection of Psalms, that there is no prayer or there is no emotion that cannot be brought to God. And I think that's really important for us. And it maybe seems incredibly basic, but I think it's really good for us to, to journey through the Psalms knowing that there is nothing that cannot be brought to God. There's no part of our journey. There's no emotion. There's no sense of grief or pain or anger that cannot be brought to God. And over and over again, I, I think there's some threads, whether it is a psalm of lament, a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm of praise, whatever it is, I think there is several threads that, um, that are consistent throughout the whole of the Psalter. And I think we'll, we'll pull at some of those threads um, today. And I think uh, some of the songs we've sang have been helpful for us. Because what the psalmists are often doing is appealing to God's past action, to what he's done in the past in order to encourage trust in the present. And again, I think that's why even 2,000 years later, the psalms are a gift to us. Because the psalmists had to constantly remind themselves of who this God was. Constantly remind themselves of what he had already done in order to encourage trust in the now. And that's why they're still helpful today. Because for all of us, we will either right now or at some stage find ourselves in a place where we need to remember what he has done. We need to remember who he is in order to encourage trust and steadfastness and defiant hope in the present. And so Homero is going to come and read a psalm, share some thoughts around the psalm. He's showing off this morning because he's even got pictures. If I had known that Jenna was given a mark out of 10, I would have had some pictures too under pressure. Um, but thankfully, Homero's going to help us out, so that will bump our, bump our score up, Homero. Thank you. All right. You sit here? I'll sit. I'll sit I'm happy to be here. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm going to share about Psalm uh, 92. And I, I just want to read some of the verses, the last verses. I, I wrote a, a preaching on this psalm back in 2015, and I shared with our church, as you may know, it's basically a church of refugees. And then that text kept there for a few years. And then during the pandemic, God brought me the Psalm 92 again, and it was of a great encouragement for Deborah and I, for our family, for the ministry. And I started sharing this text um, in different places. And specifically now during this time of sabbatical, it's always refreshing for me and a, and a challenge, so I want to share it. And so 92 from verse 12 until 15, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no weakness in him. So to, uh, I could read the whole, the whole psalm, but um, it's really, uh, I want to mention about the figures that appear here, especially 
these trees. So we see the cedar of Lebanon and we see the palm tree. If, if you type Middle East and palm tree, you will see probably images. It's, it's, we have plenty of, of them uh, all over the region in Jordan, Palestine, Egypt. They grow in the middle of the desert, even with uh, harsh conditions, the, the, our real uh, summer, <laughs> not the summer like here. <laughs> Like now, I was speaking to some of the guys from Jordan. It was 42 Celsius there, so that's real summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and these trees, they can survive these harsh conditions. And, and back in 2015, living right at, at the border with Israel, we live in this more green zone of, of Jordan, but we can see the desert. It's a mix of deserts and green. And you will see like plenty of these trees. In traveling all over the region, serving Syria, Turkey, Iraq, all these countries, I, I saw this all over. And I just want to show the first picture, so to spark curiosity. This is a cedar of Lebanon. They're very few today um, in the world because of the, all the history regarding this type of tree and how they use in the Middle East. There, there is a special reserve in Lebanon, in Beirut. It's a military uh, place, so it's not... Uh, open for, for picnics or for whatever. You, just, you can go and visit, see, but it's very controlled um, because of the, the trees. And this, I took this picture, this is a cedar of Lebanon that has more than 2,000 years. So some of these trees, because they really grow really old, they, they've seen uh, the whole biblical history and, uh, and, and it's very interesting to mention that. So the cedar of Lebanon and the palm tree, they're very similar in, in their, um, uh, I don't know, I, don't, I would say physiology or their whatever. They, they are very similar in their structure and how, how they are, um, how they grow. And, and there are so many details in common. So I will just use from now on the palm tree and I'll focus on, on the palm tree because they are both very similar. So you can go to the next uh, picture. And, and then as I was reading the, the, the psalm for the first time, and it just really struck to my heart how the text points that we should be like those trees, like the palm tree or the cedar of Lebanon. It says in verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So there is a, it's very important for us to understand why the, the psalmist used these two specific trees. So he wanted to teach us something. And specifically when you go on the uh, palm tree, it only appears six times in the Bible. And, uh, and even Solomon used the palm tree uh, on the design of the doors of the temple. So he painted uh, the palm tree there. So it, it was such a strong symbol for the Jewish community. So why uh, they are important and how can we be like them? How can, because the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Who here, in, because of Jesus is righteous, raise your hands, yes. So it's every one of us, right? So we, because of, uh, because of that, we, we have to try to be like them. So how can we learn with them? And then I, I would just point three lessons. I will not do the, the full preaching here. Uh, I just want to, to mention uh, three things that I've learned as I researched about these trees and also related that to the psalm. So the first thing is that the, the palm trees, and the cedar are Lebanon the same, but I will focus on the palm trees, they have deep roots. 
most of the trees, they will only grow their roots usually on the meters, like two, three meters deep. The palm trees, they can go up to 10 meters deep. And sometimes there are um, trees that were registered having about 30 meters deep roots, which is not common for, for uh, trees. Also, they are very interesting because uh, why, why trees, they grow roots? They grow roots because they want to find water, right? That's what do, will give life to them. Especially in our region, you, we don't have rivers, we don't have rain like here every day. So they need to find the streams of water deep in the, in the ground. So that's why they grow very deep. And if, if they find water, they stop growing their, their roots and they just start feeding themselves with that. But if, if they can't find deep enough, if they grow 10 meters and they don't find water, they start growing on the sides. And then, so instead of going deep, they just keep growing and they grow several uh, uh, branches of roots to the point that if, uh, if you take one palm tree out of the, 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 the ground and you would just put on, the, on a line all the roots, some trees can, if you put all the, the branches on a straight line, they can reach about one kilometer distance. So it's just like the roots, they, they will try to grow uh, deep and on, on the side as much as they can so they can find um, something that will give them stability, something that will feed them, something that will give them life. And, and when we relate these things with our faith, and uh, it's, it's just the same. So that was the, the idea of using that image. We have to flourish like a, a palm tree or a cedar of Lebanon. We need to grow our roots deep. And, and where we grow our roots? In our relationship with the Lord. Praying and fasting and communion with the brothers and sisters. But above all, growing deep in our knowledge and relationship with the scriptures. As much deep we grow our roots in God's word, um, better we will face the environments that we are in. Sometimes it will be harsh conditions like in the Middle East, but if the tree doesn't find that um, stream of, of life that we'll get from the water, they will just die. And, and it's also interesting that when they reach their climax, having let's say 10 meters, that's the standard, 10 meters uh, deep, and they, are, they, they can reach up to 60 meters high, from 40 to 60 meters high, uh, a palm tree. So on the climax of the tree, it's so stable and so strong because it found whatever needed there in the deep ground that it can, it can if, even if it's not raining, and sometimes we'll have periods like of months in Jordan that we don't have rain, but they will survive. Also, if, if we are on a dust storm, the winds can reach like 50, 60 kilometers. It will just not happen anything with the tree. It, will, uh, the, it, can, bring, it can take down houses or any other thing, but it will just survive. It, uh, even if, it, um, if it's on a, on also on a very cold winter with snow or in a bad condition, also on the opposite side, it will survive, different from other trees or plants in the region. And, and it's so interesting that in 2000 and I think it was 2005, you probably remember the tsunami in Indonesia. There was a story that, of a girl that her name was Milawati. And uh, you, you probably remember the, the waves were huge, like 30 meters high and 
just took the whole um, shore of all the islands and all of that, killed so many people. And, and this girl, she climbed the, the palm tree. She went all the way the, the top of the tree. And then the wave came and the, the winds, imagine, winds of 150 kilometers with the tsunami. So houses were being destroyed, buildings were being destroyed, but the trees, they were standing. Why? Because their roots were deep. And that girl stayed days on the top of that tree until finally rescue came to save her. So she only survived because she was embracing herself to a tree that had deep roots. Um, and then th these pictures, can you show the, the pictures from Indonesia, the second slide? So these are our, our trees, palm trees, that survived the tsunami. So you, you can see all the destruction in a very tall palm tree are also on the side here. These pictures are from, from Indonesia. So we have to grow our uh, roots very deep. In, in our region there in the Middle East, if we, if we are not... Um, on this position in which we are with deep roots, persecution comes and we have pressure from the society and we have the conflicts of our region and all the limitations. So we, we as a community, we focus so much on, on trying to grow together our uh, roots. And it's also interesting for the palm tree, when, when it uh, reaches an obstacle, imagine a, a rock, below the, the, the ground. So it's growing deep, the, the root, and then it hits a rock. A normal tree, when it would just hit the rock, it would stop growing the, the root. The palm tree, no. You know what the, the palm tree does, or the, the cedar of Lebanon? It just goes around the rock, embraces the rock, and keeps growing deep. So it embraces the rock. It's just unbelievable, right? So what that makes, it makes if, if up, the winds are stronger, it doesn't only have deep roots, but it's also embracing the obstacle, the rock. It doesn't stop the, the, the roots to keep growing, it's, it makes the tree stronger. So it should be the same with us. The challenges of life and the financial problems, health, family, whatever issues, ministry, persecution, whatever happens, circumstances of our lives, we should not see the, the problems as just obstacles, but a chance for us to grow and become stronger, embracing. And, 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 and what is the rock like at the end for us? It's Jesus, right? So if, if we have challenges, we, we should keep building our foundation on our rock that is Jesus Christ. So again, like I just want to remind the verse there. Um, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. So we have to, to really embrace the rock that is um, Jesus. Then a second thing for the, the, the palm tree that's very interesting is that it's different from all the other trees. It conducts the, the sap, you know, the life, that white, like blue liquid, that is like the blood of the tree. It conducts the, the sap not through the exterior of the tree, of the trunk, but through the interior of the trunk. So if you cut any tree outside, you cut, let's say you just peel off the, the, the skin, you will see the glue, right? The, the sap. 
With the palm tree, no, you have to cut the trunk because it goes through the inside of the trunk. So also that's so amazing because um, it's the same with us as believers. Like we, we are not sustained by the exterior things. Life flows through the inside. Jesus doesn't care about the outside. He cares about our hearts. And the transformation happens not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And, and uh, it's like the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we are, it's inside. Uh, Paul will say also about the mystery uh, that is inside us. Second uh, Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though externally we are wasting away, yes, yet internally we are being renewed day by day. So it's like our life with the Lord, it goes from the inside out. Everything is from the inside to the outside. And if we care too much about the outside, we, we become like that tree that Jesus from the far thought it was fruitful, but when he got close, it was just faking it. And there was no life inside. It was just appearances. And with us, it's also the same. And, and the fruits, um, they, it's interesting. That the, the fruits, they come because of the life from inside. Uh, and, and Paul said that there is only one fruit. Remember, it's not plural. It's just a, a singular word. And, and you don't make a tree, like, let's say, remember, the, he says on that text, he says about the, the works of, of the flesh. Uh, so the works is something that we do, right? So it's an action. The fruit, it's not an action. You don't, you don't produce fruit like this, boom, and then the fruit appears in your life. It's not something you do. It's, it, it is a result of what is inside so when you have life inside, the fruits will come, and then we'll be known by the fruits, right? That's the, the, as a tree that we have. So we, we need to start focusing more on building up ourselves from the inside and not from the outside. And in that process, it doesn't matter even age, because we, we read in Psalm 92, uh, it says, uh, they will bear fruit they will still bear fruit in old age. They will still stay fresh and green. So the fruits, if, if it doesn't matter the age. I, we saw a cedar of Lebanon with more than 2,000 years. So don't think, oh, I'm too, uh, too old for, for anything. It's, uh, it's all about the inside. If the inside is full of life, fruits will come. It doesn't matter the age. And then, um, can, can we just see the next slide? Um, Andrew, can you put the next slide for us so I can just show a little bit more of the... Yes, yeah, go back, go back. Yes, so for, for a sap collector of a, of a date tree, for instance, that is a type of palm tree, to, to be able to get the sap, he will have to climb up because, again, it, the only way is to, to get from the inside of the trunk. So what they do, they go up on the highest part of the tree in between the, the leaves and the, and the, the trunk, and then they, they cut that part from where it flows the life from inside to those branches so they can collect. So I don't know if you ever saw any type of picture like this, 
but there is this tradition of the sap collectors. They do wine, they do juices or during the during um, Ramadan or the, um, the Islamic feast of the sacrifice. They would do they would put the juice all over for you to drink. So they collect from the fruits and they collect from this upper part where they can get the sap from the tree. And then you can get the next one, please. And then I go to, to the last lesson. So also something interesting about these trees is that the, the main leaf or this, this main branch of, of leaves from the tree, it will always be pointing out to heaven. Go back to his slides, please, Andrew, so they can just see, just two, two slides, go back. One more. Yes, so you can see here the spare. Sometimes they will have like that one, just a huge piece of, uh, of, um, of the plant. But always at the center, they will be pointing out to heaven. They will be pointing out up. Okay, uh, go to the last slide. And, uh, and, and that's very interesting. They call it the heart of the palm tree. It's this central leaf that points up. And again, we should be like a, a palm tree. We, we should be planted in the house of the Lord like these trees. So meaning we have to look to them and try to learn. And it should be the same with us. Our lives should always be pointing up. People should look to us and at the core, they should see that everything that we do, that we are, is pointing up. Like, like Colossians 3.1 uh, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So it's it's everything points up. We should be thinking on godly things. It's up. Um, we should uh, every good and perfect gift is from above. Uh, James one seven. Um, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Everything is up. So we have to keep our eyes up. The, and, and people should look to us and see that our lives, they are pointing up. I, and I want to, to share about this story to, to finish. I took these pictures in Iraq in a village called Bartala where we planted our church. I took these pictures right after the liberation of the village from ISIS. So the army allowed us to come and then Deborah and I we traveled in August 2017 to the village. There were only from 3,000 families that used to live there before ISIS. There were only 35 families on that trip that they just recently arrived. So we went to each house, encouraged the families, and started the, the church plants that we have there. And uh, as I went to one of the residential uh, condoms that there was in the village, because I wanted to get documents and stuff from the house of Iraqi uh, refugees that were in Jordan that used to live there and fled. So Deborah and I, we went, we took pictures from the houses and whatever they wanted us to bring uh, to them to Jordan. And, uh, and we went to a family there in this place. And the story is that the coalition bombed the, the condom because ISIS was occupying the houses. And as you can see here, it's, uh, you look on, on, the, on the left side there, you see the, the barrel, I don't know how you call it, and then you see something above, right? So when I took the picture, the first picture, and I took it first, and I looked to the camera and I said, what, there's something on that thing. 
And then I went and I found this Bible, which is in Jordan. I brought it with me. And, um, and the Bible was open in Psalms. As you can see, it's right in the middle. So it's kind of Psalms. It was open in one of the Psalms. And I don't remember which one. It's, I will not say it would matter, but it's, uh, it, it was open in Psalms. Almost preaching to this <laughs> circumstances. And what probably happened is that the family living there, they had deep roots. They were real Christians. They were reading the Bible. They had relationship with the Lord. And then they had to flee. They lost everything. They faced their, their dry periods, their, their strong winds, their whatever harsh circumstances. And, and they fled, but they kept their faith. And they, this, one of the families from this condom is in Australia now, and I'm going to see them in two weeks from now. And then they faced their circumstances, but the Bible here shows that their lives were all pointing up. Because this was, this was probably in, in the um, living room of the house, and when the bomb exploded, it threw the Bible from the window, from the upper part, from the house, and the Bible just landed there in this prophetic position, opened and, and pointing to God in the middle of this crazy destruction. So that's it. Like I hope myself and all of us, we can, like the psalmist uh, declared, be like the palm tree. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He's my rock, and there is no weakness in him. Yes. Bless you. Thank you, Homero. Show some appreciation there for Homero. Thank you. Um, there's probably loads of questions I could ask you, Homero, but it would be here all morning. Uh, but I, th I just love that that... You're sharing the story, you're finishing off the story of people who have had everything stripped away from them, who have lost everything. And that's the context of the Psalms, as we've been talking about the last number of weeks. That is, that is the, the, the circumstance, the context of where these, these Psalms are being written from. Are people who have been taken from their homes, been taken from their families, from their land, from all that they've known, have found themselves in a place of exile, but yet this is still their testimony that they will grow um, like the cedar of Lebanon, that they will flourish like the palm tree. And there's something I think is just remarkable about that. And I wouldn't be able to tell the lived experience the way Homero has been able to do that. But the harsh conditions, the harsh conditions that the, the Lebanon, the, those cedar trees are able to grow in is a lesson for, I think, for all of us. Because it's, it's almost like the psalmist is teaching us, it's not just simply surviving, that even in the most hostile of conditions, there is growth. There is growth that takes place even in the most barren seasons. And no matter what the season, no matter the hostility of the season that the psalmist or our, our brothers that Homera was spoken about, or maybe what you're facing, that there is, there is growth, there is flourishing, even in the barren season. And I think that's really important. I think it's really important that we hear that. Because um, it's not just there's something that is happening. And even in moments, even when we're navigating periods of our life that feel like exile, 
that feel like everything that, everything that is important has been stripped away from us, even in those times, something is happening. Even when fruit doesn't bear immediately, something has taken place. Something is happening deep inside that you maybe not notice or you maybe not be able to, to point out, but something is happening. There is flourishing that has taken place. There is a growth that has taken place. There is a defiant hope that is being exercised. There is defiant hope that is littered throughout all of these psalms. And I think it's, um, it's why this thread that I started out with is really important. And I think, again, hearing some of Homero's story reminds us that the past is, is informing the present because Yahweh's, Yahweh's, the Lord's acts of commitment endure forever. His acts of commitment endure forever. And I want to finish off just with, because um, uh, I think what underlies much of the Psalms is this idea of hesed love. This idea of, of committed, loyal love. And that is who God reveals himself um, in, to Moses in Exodus 34. Um, I'll make sure I get it right. When the Lord reveals himself as he, as he passes by in Exodus 34, and he says he is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And it's this hesed, it's this, it's this, it's this, um, it's this hesed love, this loyal, committed love that underlies so much of the Psalms. And even at times when they're calling God's character into question, those psalms that at times make us squirm because how can they say such a thing? Even those times when they're calling God's character into question, it's his hesed, faithful, loyal, committed love that um, underlies so much. And I would encourage you today, if you get a chance, that you would read through Psalm 107 or even read through Psalm 136. There's other psalms that I could give you, but those two psalms, I think, um, despite of what it looks like, in spite of the barrenness maybe of the season, in spite of all that's going on, whether it's good or it's bad, God has been faithful. That is the testimony, I think, of the psalms from the start to the end. And it's really difficult to translate this Hebrew word, this hesed love, um, because it combines so much. It's combining the idea of generosity. It's combining the idea of love. It's combining the idea of this enduring, everlasting, lifelong commitment. It is this promise-keeping loyalty motivated by deep, deep personal care. And that's who he is. That's who God revealed himself to be. That is the very nature of who he is. And so Psalm 136 over and over again. If you need to be reminded that his love endures forever, go to Psalm 136. And over and over again, the psalmist will remind us, even though they've experienced exile, even though they've experienced so much loss and so much pain and so much grief, their testimony is still his love endures forever. His generosity, his acts of commitment, his loyalty, it endures forever. It's never ending. It won't stop. In spite of what they've gone through, in spite of what they've faced, his, his enduring love, his steadfast love, endures forever. And there's maybe times like Moses um, will have to, like the way Moses was in Numbers 14, um, the people continued to rebel, they continued to, 
just not do what they were they were called to do, whatever you want to say, um, however generous you want to be towards them. Um, but God, rather than Moses, rather than focusing on what the people had done or had not done, what he did was he he reminded God of who he was and. Um, and so the, the, this enduring commitment was not because of, because of the, what the people did or didn't do, but because it was consistent with, with his character. Um, Numbers 14, 19, just to... Um, yeah, the, 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 Numbers 14 starts with the, the subtitle is the people rebel, and as the story goes on now, the Lord is slow to anger. He's bounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. And um, Moses' prayer is that, that your, your strength would be dis displayed just as you have declared, just as you have revealed. And Yahweh's love has been evident. That is what, again, so much of the Psalms are declaring, that his love has been evident. It's a love that does. It's a love that does, and, and we see that throughout. If we continue to go through the, these pages of Scripture, and we'll see that, that how God was faithful to his promise, and he kept his promise, and, he, and he, um, he kept it in the most dramatic way. When, he, when Jesus took on flesh and came and dwelt among us, he kept his promise in the most dramatic way. Love came with skin on Love does, it, and, and, and we've, been, we've been talking a wee bit recently, um, firing fancy words out, because that's fun to do sometimes, but this idea of orthopraxy, so much of what we, we give our time and our energy to is around orthodoxy, orthodoxy meaning the right belief, and I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but faith isn't about knowing all the right stuff. Faith isn't about having all the right doctrine. It's not, faith is not about obeying a list of rules. It is something more than that. It is something more costly than that. It's something that, because it, it's more costly because it involves being present. It involves doing. Love does. It involves being present and it involves making sacrifice. Love does. And I think that's what the psalmist is reminding us. Yahweh's love has been evident it's not, just, it's not just a statement of faith. It's not just declaring something and then believing that to be true. God's hesed love is, is evident. It's a love that does. And so I'm, my prayer is that that's the love that we have experienced or that we would continue to experience. Whether we're in the place of lament or thanksgiving or praise, whether it's in a season of barrenness or feeling that it's something like exile, that his love is steadfast, it is generous, it is an enduring commitment to you and to your care. And so the, the, the challenge for us is that we just don't experience that for the sake of it. That's not the intention. We experience that hesed love and we experience the depth of that commitment and that loyalty and that steadfastness. It has to compel us. It compels us to, to a love that does. 
It compels us to, um, to show that Hesed love to God, but to show that Hesed love to others. And I suppose that is a, a good segue for us as we continue to believe and pray that, that that love would be demonstrated through us over, not just because of a community week, because we want it to be all the time. I suppose as we draw attention to this week that we would, as we experience that Hesed love, that it would compel us to show it um, ultimately to God, but that will be manifested through how we show it to others. And so I asked the guys to, they're so generous because they showed Hesed love to me. They were so generous because uh, I asked them to do this song at like half ten. Um, but it was just, just over the last couple of days, this cornerstone, that, that song just felt like it, it, like it encompassed so many of the Psalms, the heart of the Psalms, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. That it, all of this rests on his unchanging, steadfast grace, even in every high and stormy gale. And the weak are made strong in the perfection and the steadfastness of his love. When all around gives way, when everything else maybe seems like it's been stripped away, he is my, he's my hope and my stay. And ultimately, this is where I'd love us to get to, that this would be the experience for all of us today and over the next number of days, that, that through the storm, he's Lord of all. He's Lord of all. And so let's, uh, let's sing that and declare that by faith um, this morning as the guys finish our time off together with some special guests.